The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Topher. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofof, I'm Will Anderson. It's been a while, so uh, it's good to have a great guest, a great returning guest, and I always feel like when I have this guest on, this uh, podcast turns into a progressive dinner, because I feel like, or like we're a new couple that have decided they're going to fuck in every room of the house, because we never do this podcast in the same place, we're always trying new things, uh, it is none other than Sam Mack, how are Hello, you Hello Will, great to see you mate, and this is the first time I've seen you face to face since the Bulldogs won the Premiership. Now, do I feel different to you? Do I seem different? Because I, I do worry about that a little bit about how it will have fundamentally changed me. Because something, yeah. it's like you know, you go to see like you know uh, Robert Smith, you go to see The Cure, yeah, and he's just really happy. <laughs> like well, you know, he, he's not frizzing up his hair, he's got rid of the makeup. You know, he's wearing a Choose Life T-shirt. <laughs> you know? Well, my first thought was you're a lot more arrogant than I right. remember you, uh-huh. and you were pretty arrogant from what I remember you. Yeah. So, but never about football. <laughs> no, no, just general life arrogance. Has, yeah. Has been upped. Well, um, maybe I'll just have to down that. I'll have to tone that down and just you do like seem put it happy, into football. Um, which I, I got to be honest, I was there. That was my first ever AFL grand final, um, and I loved it. And I, I was going for the Swans because I work for the Swans. I'm yeah. actually a Crows fan deep down because I'm from Adelaide. Right, but, but the, um, the Crows aren't sending you any fucking checks. So <laughs> they sent me some merchandise. I, I mean, I only, only they only sent me merchandise when they saw that I was on Sunrise. Yeah. So well, well that was that three years ago. That was their sweet into Sunrise because Sunrise has been. <laughs> Port Adelaide show well, with Koshi right. being the president. Exactly. And Adelaide have seen a little in. They're just going, you know what? Koshi might dominate the desk chat, but we can get some weather references. We yeah. can get him to lean into some Adelaide specific, you know, like, oh, the weather's good in Adelaide for the weekend's game where the crows will crush Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, so I'm a crow supporter deep down, work for the Swans, so I was cheering them on at the uh, grand final. However, what work do you do for the Swans? What's uh, your hosting role? their game day. So that, that involves interviewing injured players, maybe a chat with the coach, uh, running some competitions, chatting to fans at halftime, the big screen stuff. Now, the, the chat chat with the coach. So, is that a half-time chat with the coach or is that a full-time chat with the coach? When are you talking to the coach? That's like an hour and a bit before the game. Okay, a, really a pre-game chat to the 30-second tokenistic, hey, now, yeah, the boys are going to do well today. All right, see you, buddy. How much freedom of questioning uh, do you have in this chat? Is it all Sam <laughs> or is it like, have, have you been fed this is what horse yeah. wants to hear today? Uh, Mr. Longmire, where's the weirdest yeah. place you've had sex? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I used to work in commercial radio. Can you identify this mystery sound? <laughs> no, zero freedom. It's very um, that that part is very regimented, but understandably so. He's a very busy man. But I, I honestly wanted to say that I think uh, congratulations. It is a beautiful sports story, and even non-footy or non-sports fans must appreciate how big a deal that wheels that was. How have you been since it? Like, was there a moment? where it actually sunk in that, that they had won? Was that something that was immediate or was it like days after the fact? Okay, I'm going to say something that will sound arrogant in retrospect, but here it is. I just believed that we were going to win. 
I had this feeling from like when you made the grand final, like that the the prelim thing, or I just had this feeling right through the finals, like you know, and and one that I kind of like. Charlie thought I was crazy. We talked about this on our, our footy podcast that we'll now have to rename Two Guys One Cup, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we might not need to rename the podcast, but we need a new theme song. But I um I was talking to Charlie about uh you know the idea of I just felt right through this season that it was meant mm. to be this season. I felt like last season they felt like if they you know if they'd had a bit of luck it could have gone the other way and they could have gone a bit deeper into the finals. And the thing that I kept coming back to and I said it to my dad on the phone like a couple of weeks before the grand final was I said here's what I do know. They believe they can win it. Yeah. That was the one thing I had full confidence. There were times where I didn't believe. Like my rational mind was like, well, I'm a Bulldog supporter. And to be honest, this is what we do. We lose, we build up expectations, and then we lose. But I, this year I had a different feeling about it. Just the whole way through. Even when we had to go to Western Australia that first week in the finals, yeah. I was just like, I said to Charlie at Cam Knight's 40th, I got Charlie in the corner and I was like, I think we're going to win it. Yeah, I right. think we're going to win this week. And then I went to the Hawthorne game at the MCG. And like, you know, people were like, are you nervous? And I'm like... I'm not. I think we're going to win today. Amazing. And, and then, you know, I was overseas. I was at LA Podfest when the GWS And it would have been the talk of LA Podfest, obviously. I mean, what, weirdly enough, it was the talk of LA <laughs> really? Podfest. Just because you've had all those people on your show. People know so much. This, like, the next day, like, when people had heard that we had won, like, there were people coming up to me like I had had something to do with it. They were like, oh, you must be so happy. And you're like, no, no, that's Danny McGinley who had something right. to do with it. <laughs> He wrote the banners, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think mine would have been slightly funnier, but I think those banners could be too funny. I feel like if they were too funny, then they'd cause complaints. But Danny really has nailed that funny enough approach. Classic banner work. It's like your fantails don't get too edgy about the facts about the celebrity. Like, you know, you're never eating a fantail and you're suddenly yeah. like, yeah, which actor was born with the last name Estevez, changed it for show business, and now has HIV from like having sex with heaps of prostitutes. <laughs> well, there's Hang the on, name Fantiles, for, um, you've gone a little dark. For, for, for Danny's next DVD, Funny Enough. There Funny Enough. We've, oh, uh, we've no, crowned mate. that. It will be called something along the lines of Bannerman. I'm a Bannerman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm the guy from the Banners. <laughs> hey, n- not Eric Banner, the other Banner guy. <laughs> his, uh, his backdrop will be made out of tissue paper. He'll run through it onto stage every night. Actually, this is a good idea, Danny. I hope you're taking notes, my friend. Yeah. So every night you have a banner that you run through. Now, yeah. maybe you can't get like a new one made every night. I understand there's like, you know. Logistical but, issues. There, right. But you traveling. have a, like a sheet yeah. with a slit in it that you project a new thing onto every oh, that's night. Cool. That's and then cool. you start your show by running through your own banner. That's great. He should have a line of merchandise T-shirts, yeah. like Bannerman, official Bannerman T-shirts yeah. that people can like either Velcro or something, make their own banner and take to his comedy gigs. You know, just put it on whatever whatever particular banner they want for that night. Just put it onto the shirt, official Bannerman merch. I like it. I like what you're thinking. It's like we've got those um, sort of letter, like, or like, you know, poem sort of fridge magnets, you know, where they're words or different letters and you can arrange them however you want. This is what Danny needs. Yeah. He needs magnetic... <laughs> strip 
like t-shirts so it's a t-shirt you have to get them dry cleaned or something i don't know how you clean them i feel like you can't put them in the wash but it's kind of like a magnet and you stick them on and yeah you create your own banners yeah and he should just buy like ten thousand as his first order because it's it's obviously going to work like you can never have too many of those types of things i mean i don't think that's enough i would say fifty (laughs) thousand. well it'd be cheaper if he buys fifty thousand of them as well so much cheaper go a hundred I mean, you're only going to make more profit. That's MCG, all I would say. MCG, 100,000 people. I mean, well, there you go. I've never met someone who would say no to one of those. Well, I mean, I've never heard anybody even answer that question, but I assume everybody <laughs> would be in favour of it. There you go, Danny. Like, you're welcome. I mean, Funny in enough. this focus group of two, you've got a 100% success rate for this. I know it feels like I'm interview- interviewing you in your own podcast, but yeah. I genuinely am interested to know. We haven't had much of a chance to talk about this side of it. Wow. I know that you were very emotional on grand final day, but you, you were emotional during most Bulldogs games, but <laughs> was there a particular moment in terms of tears like where it really hit you and you're like, it, it just kicked in? I mean, the thing for me, okay, a couple of things. Firstly, I was lucky enough that I was surrounded by people who also, the Bulldogs are, you know, that I know who are also massive Bulldogs fans. Yeah. And Shane Delia, who's a, a yeah. chef from uh, SBS, who is a guy I've been lucky enough to go to the football with and see some great Bulldogs games with, like, you know, sitting next to him at the football. I yeah. think he's a really nice guy. You um, were next to Tim Cahill, who's been a Bulldogs fan, fan for, for a year. Since, since <laughs> I was going to say, since, since the second put, week of the finals. Mate. Timmy Cahill. <laughs> and I love Tim Cahill. I'm the b- biggest soccer fan and Tim Cahill fan you'll meet. But I saw that and yeah. I'm like... Haven't I seen him with other club scarves on before? I mean, I would have thought a couple of games before the season started in, you know, in the A-League that he's come home to play that perhaps jumping aboard bandwagons wasn't something you'd want to do with those valuable legs. No, last year, apparently, he was at a Hawthorne function and had the Hawthorne scarf. Yeah. So my position on this is that Tim Cale is like that turtle or octopus that they let pick oh, the yeah. World Cup results. Yeah, the good luck so, charm. Yeah, so whatever scarf you see Tim Cale in in <laughs> mid-September next year, get on him. He probably had it at, like at, a, at the Melbourne Cup. He probably had the winning horses colours on. Yeah. He was wearing a Donald Trump hat the other right. day. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird that, he, that they've got their range of merchandise to make the A-League great again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so the, the tears thing. Uh, so, um, so I'm surra- there's some great footage. Yep. And I was lucky enough to be there with Charlie. And he was smart enough because I wouldn't have thought of this at all because... Really, with 10 minutes to go, it still could have gone either way. Yeah. And there was a moment in the game uh, that was where uh, Johannesson kicked a goal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, we've won this. We're, this is it. We've won this. Like, we can actually win the AFL grand final. Yeah. And I was there and I, I, and I was just like, okay, all right. And then it went back to the middle and that was the one that they replayed. And then they, like, they sent it back and they said it wasn't a goal. It was a point. Oh. And... Never have I felt more like a Bulldogs fan. Because right. me and all the other people around me, we all just looked at each other like, oh, that was it. That is the new thing that will make us sad. When we were going to win the AFL Grand Final, and then yeah, then that happened. And now that's the thing that defines us for the next 20 years. Remember? Remember when we were going to win the Grand Final and then we didn't? And then after that, I mean, there's that uh, a piece of play that will like just excited me so much, which is when Buddy, you know, got the ball in the middle, and Dale Morris with like a broken back. He's been playing with a broken yeah, back incredible. throughout the entire final series. Like Dale Morris, who's off the rookie list, you know, you don't need to, you know, be a. The Bulldogs had the second lowest amount of top twenty draft picks in the entire league right. this year. Playing, we played thirty nine players over the season. You know, yeah. like. We, yeah, we don't have a star-studded lineup. I think there were seven players or something in the AFL Grand Final who came off the rookie list. Yeah. And so 
it's it was a really amazing story to me that moment dale morris this guy who's made everything of himself and been such a great servant sure. in this club with a broken back Ooh. the biggest player in the game who's played okay he's had a bad foot he hurt himself early on but to his great credit i thought that lance franklin despite that kept trying to <laughs> insert himself into the game you know yeah. what i mean like he was like, like ramona's inserting himself, himself into, into this podcast, podcast. Yeah. you heard us talking about bulldogs yeah it's not like fm radio where we're suddenly playing dog sound effects because right. we're talking about dogs right. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're like, she heard us talking about it. He goes, you're only talking about one bulldog on this podcast, buddy. And there's this one, this French one barking out the front right now. So um, uh, that moment where he, he, that tackle, and then it went into the hands of Tom Boyd, and Tom Boyd picked it up, this much maligned million-dollar recruit who's really, you know, I had thought it actually had a, a you know, as a Bulldogs fan, was very pleased with the way he'd been developing. But, yeah. hey, if you want to save a moment... If you want to save a moment to play the best game you've ever played, play it on AFL Grand Final. Oh, day. totally. Mate, there was Bulldogs fans around me who all year have maligned his million-dollar salary who were like, not enough. Right. Double it. Give <laughs> yeah, him more. Yeah, He's yeah. paid for it already. <laughs> Give him a bonus next year. <laughs> I mean, to me, that was amazing. And at that point, I was definitely emotional. And the next kind of, you know, 10 minutes or so is a bit of a – like I, I've only actually filled in some gap, gaps in my memory through watching the replay and seeing what happened. So now sure. I remember what happened, but I can't tell you from that day that I remember what happened, where I was. And But there's some video. So a few people around were taking video. Charlie took some video. So yeah. I've been able to watch my reaction when it happened. And like, you know, it's... Is it like watching yourself have sex? Oh, I mean, some of like it Like is... just the same amount of crying? <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to... Yeah, Shane, De- Shane Dealey is there, which is always weird. I was like... Look, mate, I like like going to the footy together. And, Tim Cahill's wearing a scarf yeah. in the corner. Tim Cahill? Tim Cahill's here? Oh, well, it must be going well then. He's jumped on board. I guess that's a compliment. How, how was the sex last night? Well, Tim Cahill turned up. So, guess it was going really well. Danny McGinley made a banner. Right, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Ramona, look at you. Hi, Ramona. I was going to get up and open the door because it was just open enough that she was like, I can, like, if I bark, he'll open the door. And then she's just worked it out herself. Look at you, you little MacGyver. Welcome. Much like the Bulldogs forcing their way through one of Danny's banners. (laughs) You've forced your way. Maybe that's what I could do with my front door there. I could put like a little message on there that you could run through well now you have to um you have to get any any form of banner now has to be signed off on by danny mcginlay he has the monopoly on banners worldwide for any sporting event so the thing i love so much about what happened oh. hello do you want to come up here <laughs> oh, all right come here um uh yeah the thing i love so much about um uh, what happened is for someone who has my personality like this what i love is stories yeah, And what I've been so lucky to be part of, and I'm sure there are Chicago f- Cubs fans who are feeling this and mm. Leicester fans who are feeling this yeah. and, you know, Cleveland f- fans who felt this, was the pain beforehand is what makes what happened so amazing. Totally. Like yeah. somebody said to me the other day, what about next year? I said, well, mate. I waited 42 years for this. I'm not going to live long enough to wait another 42 years. I'm never going to feel it this way again. I might feel it in a different way. But yeah. this thing, the whole city being behind them, those scenes, like the th- the adversity they overcame this year, like our captain going down, oh, all the yeah. injuries we had. There is this 
thing they the did. The coach giving the medal to the captain. Oh, okay, all of that. so all yeah, right, that was special. Well, this is my thing. This is my Bulldogs team. In that the captain is my favourite player, my favourite Bulldogs player of all time, and and I'm lucky enough to say someone who I'm yeah friends with, Luke Beveridge. You know, it's come to my comedy festival oh, show wow. the last two years. You know, like he's a guy that like Supports has supported you, what yeah. I have done. And he's a guy whose values and the way that he approaches life are like things that I just admire Brilliant. externally to what the result have been. Like, I just love the way he goes about it, you know, yep. and the interest he has. And, you know, when, you know, Wallace you know, broke his leg and there was a, the, the screaming pain in the background that he was openly crying at the press conference because he loves them. And he, you know, he relates to the world in the way that I would like to think that I try to relate to the world. Yep. That moment when he took off his, like, I lost my mind like i lost my mind so for people who don't know what happened he uh the the coach of the team our mm. captain uh hadn't been able to play since round three and he is our kind of inspirational captain you know our most kind of beloved player yeah. really of the modern generation and loved outside the club as well you know one of those players that people Very from highly other clubs, regarded well yeah, respected great writer really interesting offbeat character you know beloved so Firstly, like this is, I'm already getting like shivers up my back telling you <laughs> this again. Firstly, he under his like tracksuit top that he was wearing on the sidelines all day had been wearing his like playing jumper. Yes, yeah, so, so good. like underneath, so like I mean, if this is not an episode, that's something of Friday like under <laughs> yeah, under six kids do like when they right. go to a real adult game, like they'll wear it just in case. Oh, we're gonna right. need an extra player. We can only choose someone who has the same shirt. Right, it's one of those moments where, like, really, if it was a, like a drama, and when you saw him and he like he ripped it open, it really needed like you know someone of those like five for fighting Superman to be like, I'm you just see him like. So, firstly, that was that, and yeah. then he. Uh, so, Luke Beveridge got his uh, medal as uh, the 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 coach who, mm. who who won the game, and he decided that he would call up. Uh, Robert Murphy, because in our game, in Australian rules football, unlike uh, you know, the American NFL, for example, where everyone who's played during the season you know, gets a, like a ring, um, in Australian football, you don't get a medal unless you played on the day. Yep. Regardless of the fact that we use 39 players during the season, the 22 mm. you know, or whatever from the day, they're the only ones who get it. Yep. So in unprecedented, he's like invited Robert Murphy up there and then he's just handed him his medal and then he stands in the background... This guy, Luke Beveridge, who has come to our club and taken a club that is, was last in the grand final in 1961, has only ever been in two in 90 years. Wow. We won one in 1954, two years before television came to Australia. <laughs> right. This guy has come to this club that two years ago when he came there, we didn't have a coach, obviously, that's why he came. Yeah. We did not have a captain because our captain had gone to GWS, Ryan yeah. Griffin. We did not have a CEO at the time. Uh, didn't our, have a banner writer back Did then. not have a banner writer. Our banners were shit. Uh, <laughs> Adam Cooney, our Brownlow medalist, had just gone to play for another team. Sean yep. Higgins, one of our best players. The club was decimated. They recruited Tom Boyd for a million bucks a year, and we were the laughing stock. And Luke Beveridge came into town and in two years took us from 14th place <laughs> through all this adversity to being the AFL premiers with a team. There was no one in that team on that day who had ever played in an AFL grand final. Wow. And they they are now all premiership players. Only one of two. There was this brilliant photo in the paper a couple of days later where mm. they had the team, the Bulldogs team lining up, you know, like for the national anthem. And then they had the 54 team like mm. across from them, like looking. That's how special they are. Yeah. This has only ever happened for this club one other time. You are immortals forever. Absolutely. He did this. 
And in the greatest moment of everything that he had worked for and achieved, he stood back and let someone else have that moment. It's beautiful. I could not have fucking loved that more. <laughs> that to me was like, yeah. but now, now I'm going to get to the bit I love the most. Oh, good, good. <laughs> because this is where... I go from being Will Anderson, the sentimental, enthusiastic, and Luke Beveridge loving <laughs> football fan, Cry. to being Will Anderson, the more cynical, you know, uh, not uh, cynical is the wrong word, because I actually admire this yep. in a way. Yeah. But I'm going to also recognize that it happened. Because in the aftermath, it was revealed that on the way up there, he asked if he could do it. Like he just said, is this going to be okay to the maybe the chairman of the AFL? Oh, like as is he that was right? going up. But when you watch, a bit them, arrogant, isn't it? But when you watch, win the game first, I would have thought. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not on the way to the game. He asked literally <laughs> oh, on the right. way up to the. Say, that was the one question he asked before heading to the ground. <laughs> Imagine that phone call to the president. So this is a bit, a bit of a weird one here, uh, Peter. Um, look. Uh... <laughs> It was after we beat West Coast in the first round of the finals. It's like got a call from Luke Beveridge today asking if we can if he can hand his premiership medallion. To, I mean, I guess I guess he can, but it feels a little premature, you know what I mean? Okay, right. So yeah. on the way up to the podium, the living, as the living end went on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now like, makes sense. Like, yeah. No, um, yeah. So as he was going up to the podium, he just like, would this be okay? But clearly, when you watch the moment. He finishes, he does his beautiful speech, and then he turns away. Yeah. And then he turns back. That's right. And I believe that is, and I don't I don't care about that. In fact, I think it made the moment better. Because if he'd just done it, that still would have been a brilliant moment. Yeah. But what sells that moment is the turn away. Yeah. Yeah, the Colum- you think that's it. The it's Columbo done. moment. Yeah. You know, yes. Oh, hang on, one more thing. Right, and that's when like the and he does it, and I that makes me love him more because he fucking sells that moment. That so moment he makes theater. it for there's a bit yeah. of theater about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nice. He literally is like, well, if we're gonna do it, let's do it Absolutely. right. You know, I'm gonna one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, a the... bit of James Brown's. I can't go on in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, he can go on. <laughs> Uh, look, I'm so happy for you guys and to Danny and, and all the Bordock supporters that I know. It's genuinely such a special story. So There's a, uh, enjoy br- it. Brilliant Melbourne photographer called James Penleides who does a lot of uh, comedians' photos and uh, one of the all-time greats, uh, James, and uh, loves the Bulldogs. And he was quite close to us too. So we have some great photos from the day of. Great. And James took my first ever shots from my first ever comedy festival show. Really? And he's taken a bunch of. In fact, he, James took the shots for Will and Lemo. So yeah, for the show that we used to work yeah, on together. I wasn't right? in them, but yeah, that, that's great. I mean, you well, you came along a little later, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And then we didn't Photoshop you in. <laughs> So Will and I worked on a show. We do mention this every, every time I'm on the on the podcast. But for context, Will and yeah. I worked on a radio show together. I'm actually doing that show this afternoon. The show that we used to do, the drive show at Triple M. Hang on, you're doing Will and Lima this afternoon. <laughs> they they, they <laughs> yeah, continued yeah. doing it. You've been replaced by another Will. I mean, I never tuned in again, but I. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually easy to find another Will. Finding another Lima was actually it's actually Will and Alama. They got a guy called Will and Alama, but it's been actually going really well. They don't bitch and moan so much about the music. <laughs> the llama picks the music. He replaced the monkey that we were never allowed to mention because we were 
the, the radio station we used to work at, Triple M, which mm. I often still you know, work on in different yeah. capacities, they've actually been very good to me. And it is one of those things. I think that Triple M job more than anything, because it didn't end... Like I mean, we were disappointed when it finished, mm. but there was a lot going on at the station and what in where they wanted to change yeah. things that wasn't about us. Mm. And so I guess like it was one of those things where you know you were welcome back in the building, and everybody else has great relationships and yeah. has gone on to. So you know, there's kind of no hard feelings. In fact, what it's really made me easier to do is breach austereo security consistently <laughs> for the last three or four Is years. That right? Because I do like weekly Gruen press. Yeah, yeah. And so I do a lot of it in that building. You'll often go and sure. talk to austereo stations around like, you know, the whole, and I'll do, you know, live ones, Raven Sam and, yeah, the grill team and stuff like that. So um, you're meant to have a pass to get in the building. And if you're going before nine, you can't even get up the elevators yeah. without like a pass in there, right? Unless you worked there vaguely four or five years ago, <laughs> and then you just follow people up and walk in, and like it's my favorite. What's the game. most tenuous link you've made to follow someone? Because if it's someone that you used to work closely, all right, yeah, they're they're going to know. But if is there any sort of just literal person you've never seen before in your life? You're going, hey, I'm just going to duck up there. I got to do an interview. Okay, there's there's some degrees of it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through it. So Hot norm- sales girls. Normally, I'll get there. <laughs> no, because normally sales aren't quite in at the hour I'm getting in. I'm normally getting in at like about. Sort of ten to seven. That's, okay. Yeah, because often you because you're doing a whole round. And they of get like in at ten to midday. Different for ones. an hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a meeting, <laughs> and then <laughs> so uh, no, I um so often it's just you kind of a bit of a skeleton crew, a bit of yeah. management. Yeah. What you tend to find is, you know, I will say this that the management in there like tend to get in at like mm. a reasonably early hour, and but you're re- often you're looking for someone going up with coffees. You know, like one of the shows like has like someone who's been Producers sent down for coffee and, yeah. or something like that. But I, for me, it's a game that no one else cares about that I like to play. <laughs> you know, like when you have those own things in your mind. So I have to do this thing every Wednesday morning. We film Gruen on a Tuesday night. So on Wednesday mornings, I'm not really like, you know, and I've got a whole day of press. Often I'll be doing like 16 you know, interviews wow. in a day, you know, between like seven in the morning through to, mm. you know, often six o'clock at night. So it's a, it's a lot of your day just having to get up and down, up and down and deal with different people and those sort of things. So in the morning to kind of get myself out of bed and whatever, you know, first thing is there's a coffee place I like. So I'm like, well, I'll get there. I can get my coffee. You know, I'll do that in the morning. Um, And then can I get into the building without a pass (laughs) or without messaging someone and calling someone and officially getting into the building? And has it ever failed? Yeah, I I reckon three times. Really? Well, no. I reckon maybe no, probably five times. Probably five times over the last two years. That's pretty but good, though. I would say out of like, I'm going to say that's out of like 25 attempts, I've failed five times. So I've got a pretty high strike rate. Absolutely. Yeah. And often people would then, when I'm in the building, will look at me like the shows that I'm going to visit going, how did you get in here? <laughs> and I'm, like, yeah. I'm not telling you my secrets. Because there's a big pivotal moment. I, I will break it down a little bit. Mm. So to explain this to people, the there's two radio stations, Triple M and uh, well, the Today FM or Hit, Hit yeah. or whatever they're called. But like, they're, they're both stereo radio stations and they're essentially similar floor plans, similar um, studios. The Triple M one has a lot more black you know, yeah. but basically, they, you know, and they're on separate, like four, yeah. floor 14 and 15 or whatever it is. Yeah. So you're meant to go up to 15, go through reception and go into the building, <laughs> right? But that is that is what I want to avoid. I'm never going Are to- Are you fi- just giving a blueprint for potential terror attacks? Is that what's happening here? It feels like you're going into a lot of information. I mean, that is a good point, actually. If you, no, wanna, you know what? If you want to infiltrate Australia, yeah, here's what actually, you need to do. You know what? I, I was actually about to give away- <laughs> 
I hadn't even have thought I of just it like that. Have a terror attack? No, I mean, I just feel that it's really terrible that I got this tattoo on my entire body of how to break in and out of Osteria. I feel like now. <laughs> people have been waiting for a sweet prison break reference on this. Beat the bomb. Yeah. I could do that one on Triple M, but I couldn't do that one on Today FM. Maybe like outside our demo, that reference. Our demo wasn't born when Prison Break was a reference to it. Uh, yes. Okay. So I like to to sneak into the yeah. room. I don't know. Why did that come up? I don't, I don't know. know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> why doesn't does matter. anything come up in this podcast? Yeah. I mean, that's a fair point. Well, let's talk about you then. Let's talk about what you've been <laughs> up to because we've actually been, when we've run into each other a few times socially and or just in the street a lot yeah. of the time. Which often happens more than you'd think. Yeah. You and I, I reckon you, I'm going to go out on a limb, but I'm going <laughs> to oh, say- okay. That you are the person I run into most. Really? Yeah. I reckon we've run into each other in the street at least three or four times. Yeah. And that's a lot. Like in two years. Like in the last two years, three or four times in two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've run into anyone else in the street that much. Trying to think of where. So there was there was Oxford Street, which I live near. Uh-huh. Doesn't explain what you were doing there. I, I walk, well, it, I actually, I, I do know what I was going there because I walk down Oxford Street all the time. Okay. Because Oxford Street is in between either CJZ, where we make Gruen, or Makes the ABC, sense. Yep. Uh, and my house. Yep, okay. So often well, there if you I'm go. going for a walk or if I need to go and pick some stuff up or whatever, I will walk straight out of, or even Osterio, that w- it, World Square. If I've done any of those, I will end up walking back along but Oxford But wasn't Street. there a weird one? Wasn't there a obscure was place? Down, there was that one where you were having breakfast that one morning because I was returning a car at yeah, Hertz or wherever yeah, that was. Yeah, that was a strange one. Yeah, that was an out of the way. <laughs> I was like, this is that an interesting... That was a good one though. I like yeah. that. No, I thought that was a, that was a pretty quality Yeah, we one. do run into each other a yeah. lot, but but that's cool. You know, it's always good to see you. Have you been in uh, I Spy since we last spoke? That's that now. So, because now that you're like... Uh, you know, a well-known television, you know, celebrity, um, you know, like your I Spy value has like gone through the roof, <laughs> plus you're around a lot. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like that has really upped your sort of like possibilities of ending up in I Spy. Has there been a like a, a, a spike in your I Spy? There has, but there's a slight disclaimer. Okay. I've right. only broken into the Adelaide I Spy market. Oh. So I haven't hit the national or the, um, the Sydney one, but I'm from Adelaide. So that is, you know... Hometown boy made Home, good. Yeah, exactly. And I so love it. Where were you? I spied in Adelaide. So this is a bit of intel. Yeah, and I've and, got uh, and, uh, two questions. Where were you? I spied. And secondly, do you know the other people who are I spied that day? Because what I'm interested <laughs> in is the rankings of like how exciting the the spotted of Sam Mack would be as opposed to the spotted of Andrew right, Jarman. I'm trying or, to remember who else was in it. Yeah, that, that might take me a moment. And Wills. But- but, yeah, and Wills, Quinton, <laughs> and, and, Guy Quinton Sebastian, and Guy Sebastian. All the weird. Adelaide celebrities in one like, hit. Yeah, it was great. Um, <laughs> what I can tell you, though, and, and this might disturb you a little bit, um, and maybe this was a one-off, maybe, but I, I was a little bit disappointed when, when it played out like this. Okay. I was asked by someone at Channel 7 where I had dinner while I was in Adelaide, like like on the night of, like, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? You know, just so we know where you're back and what's going on in Adelaide. I'm like, oh, I'm just having dinner in the city. They're like, oh, whereabouts? I'm like, this, Sam, is, this is a bit odd. I'm Sam, like, Sam, if this is going where I think this is going, yeah, you're about to, yeah, I know, you're about to really. And I'm like, I'm at Beyond right. India, which is my favorite Indian restaurant in in Adelaide. It's it's delicious. So it is food. actually it, that's the one on the you go it's, around the corner and it's got that there's that other nice restaurant. It's in North the, Adelaide. Yeah, so O'Connell Street. Yeah, uh, a lot of people in Adelaide would know it. It's been there for many years. Uh, Robbie, who runs the place there, is a legend so shout out to Robbie if he listens to the podcast um 
So they asked me where I was. I told them the next day it was in there, spotted at Beyond India. So I'm concerned that people aren't actually spotting. And that breaks down the whole premise of this this Bible, this gospel that we've lived by for, what, 10 years? I've got so many questions here, Sam. <laughs> this, like, I mean, this, this honestly feels like the first time that Mulder met the Smoking Man on the X-Files. Like, right. we are about to go fucking deep into this. Like, <laughs> I mean, all right, okay. So, firstly, there's so Okay. All right, so many questions. I'm but, sorry to be the one to tell no, no, you, no, no, by no. the way. I'm but really because, sorry. Well, because they can't all be that. Because I have been ice spied plenty of times without anybody. And A, here's what the ABC mm. publicity department are good at. Yeah. Scheduling interviews <laughs> with like ABC radio stations and yeah. major broad media. Yeah. But here's what they don't have extra time to be doing. <laughs> hey, Will, where get, are you eating? Get, Which cafe are you at the Humpty moment? Get Dumpty in ice spy. Like, it's not... <laughs> I just feel like that would not be... I feel like there would be a Senate Estimates Committee about the ABC wasting taxpayers' dollars. Will, you've been to Cronulla Beach this year, haven't you? Right. At some point? (laughs) (laughs) So, but secondly, as we've talked about uh, before on the podcast, I have been mistakenly... Um, you know, I misrepresented. misrepresented. Somebody thought I was uh, waiting to see a dentist in a suburb that I'd never visited. (laughs) And to be honest, I actually desperately do need to go to the dentist. So that <laughs> it was I, a sign from above. Yeah, that maybe that should that was like a premonition, I suppose. <laughs> but to hundreds of thousands of people who read that paper, you were right. at that dentist. Right. But they will never know otherwise unless they hear the podcast. And they think that my publicist, maybe that <laughs> maybe that dentist surgery's publicist was got on board. They're like, That's the master show. Yeah. Used to work at one of the big like major media outlets. <laughs> and like, well, that's my old job. Here's what we used to do to get a little bit of hurt. Yeah. I got Sam in Adelaide Confidential yeah. so many times. Yeah. No one's going to see dentist like spotted at, but here's what we can do. We can just make up that somebody will spot it at yours. Secondly, as we go back through some of our favourites, we mm. always revisit these. Yeah. Ostentatious <laughs> spotted outside the Moor Park Super Centre. Oh, yeah. Kim Beasley eating a pie. Uh, Bob Hawke buying a lottery, lottery ticket. ticket. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. now, <laughs> the, the big three. <laughs> they won't be beaten. <laughs> Uh, so uh, here's what I would say mm. is, do you feel like any of those were now, do you like look at their moon landing style and say, oh, well, maybe one of those was planted? Was well, Bob Hawke trying to get it, like a, a message out there that he was like, <laughs> I don't know. Like- I want to believe because the examples we just gave, which is, you know, a Hall of Fame, I Spy right. era, is um, they're very specific. Yeah. Whereas mine is pretty general, like, you know, eating a meal at an Indian restaurant. Right. Like, there's no real exclusive there. But Bob Hawke, you know, reaching a level where he needs to buy a lottery ticket or Kim Beasley eating a pie. Like, you know, suddenly there's a story. Is he eating a pie behind his family's back? Is he not supposed to be eating pies? Has he snuck a pie and someone caught him? Or is someone trying to stitch him up? You know, he's on a new diet and they're like, I'm going to get you, Kim. I mean, could that be the opposition? Absolutely. Like, I mean, if we're going into the world where we understand that the ice buy might have been compromised and they <laughs> yeah. do not have the highest standards down at ice buy about checking out their ice buys. Because clearly, what I mean, again, so many questions, but clearly what we've uncovered here is that firstly, you can get anything in an ice buy. <laughs> like, I mean, they are not... They are not making a second phone call. They're not ringing that dentist going, hey, we just want yeah. to check out the story. Yeah. That Gary. They don't from, need five citations yeah. for an ice buy. Yeah, look... look Gary from uh, Palm Beach has given us his two cents. <laughs> no, we don't need gonna... your surname, Gary. That's fine. No, that's fine. But we'll 
But if you, name a, if you can name a name in a suburb, <laughs> we will take your submission to I Spy. But so look, is there a chance yeah. then that it could have been, say, the opposition at the time? Uh, who, like John Howard or whatever, who's like trying to like give this idea that Kim Beasley is just some guy who's not interested in running the country because, yeah, he's too busy eating pies. <laughs> could you then just plant the pie story? Had you asked me this uh, before I appeared in Adelaide Confidential yeah. and saw that process, I probably would have said, no, that's crazy talk. Now that I've seen the other side of it, I don't know what to believe anymore with I Spy. I mean, is it weird that I Spy sounds a little like ISIS as well? I mean, I feel like <laughs> ISIS Spy. Yeah, I reckon, no, that's their popular. They do have a magazine. ISIS have a magazine they put out. I hope it has ISIS Spy. <laughs> Spotted in a non-disclosed location, doing something that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> Oh, look, there's a bit to talk about. So it's not only I Spy. Um, I oh, had. Hang on, wait. Yeah. I, I still have one more. Sure. Like, because this is the other thing that I just need to get to now is the idea that what you stumbled upon, which is the idea there's not enough of a story in that. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the great ones, they go, well, well, was ostentatious going into. So if it was Sam Mack walking past beyond India restaurant, you're like, oh. Well, <laughs> did he, just, he go in or had, didn't had he? he? Just finish? It's a cliffhanger. Yeah, that's, it's a cliffhanger. I spy. Get it tomorrow. Get the paper tomorrow to find out. Right, but I'm not tuning in for next week's I Spy to find out that like, oh, the guy who gets up early also eats fucking dinner. <laughs> like, I mean, walking past at 4 p.m. How right. depressing. Where's the story? Yeah, yeah. Well, that would have been great having dinner at 4 p.m. Well, much like any form of storytelling, the beauty is in the detail. detail. But the, the issue with I Spy is yeah. they're so minimal with their details. That's yeah. why the three that we gave before are our Hall of Famers yeah. because there is enough detail to go, hey, there's a lot of unanswered questions, but you also tell us enough to get a few implications from this I Spy. Yeah, I feel like that is absolutely what it is. You need like a kind of nice two or three words that really paint yeah. the broader picture. <laughs> you don't have time to get into detail. Haven't you? But- you've been in a few. Was there one when you were in a photocopying place or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, photocopying. See, that? there you go. That's suddenly like... Was there any detail, though? Or it's just like Will Anderson spotted at Quick Copy, was it? Or? Oh, Officeworks. Officeworks. Yeah, and that's all it said? Yeah, it, what it could have normally said was getting frustrated at the fact that they charge for fucking bags and they judge you when you want to buy a fucking bag at Officeworks. Never yeah. have I felt more judged because I'm a white straight man, so we're rarely judged by society. But we're, uh, never have I felt more fucking judged that when you go up at Officeworks, you always have, because I love Officeworks, like I buy heaps of shit. And so I go up there, I've had my trolley, yeah. I've filled up my trolley while I'm at Officeworks, and then I get up to the front counter and then they expect you to just like... I don't know, just like hold it all and take it down to the game. No, and like when you ask for a bag, they're like, ooh, well, that'll be... And I'm like, I don't mind even paying for the bag. Just cut the fucking attitude about the bag. <laughs> you literally work in a shop where everything is made of paper and plastic. See, Fuck see- you. You think you're saving the environment? Look at what the things are I just bought. They're all made of the things that the bag is also made of. See- Give me a fucking bag. <laughs> what you've just said is great, but it's never going to fit in the ice spy column. Right? Will Anderson having a meltdown Page about bags. Turnover. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I, so there's that. But yeah, yeah the ice spy right. thing, look, I'm a little bit you know, disappointed by. Um, however, I've had a few other things that have happened over the last couple of months that I think we should talk about just as basic housekeeping, you know, as basic updates. And that is the next thing, I've appeared in Woman's Day. So Woman's Day, it's all in the title. I think there's a US version of Woman's Day as well, isn't there? So here's the thing I need to say about these sort of magazines is there were a t- was a time probably 20 years ago, much like uh, the publishing industry in, gen- in general, but even like magazines like Women's Day were kind of reputable-ish 
like, you know, kind of gossip magazines. Well, not even gossip magazines. They'll pitch somewhere between sort of your Australian's Women's Weekly, which is your recipes and, you know, knitting, like, you know, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and kind of like a bit of a still journalistic look at the world and those sort of things. But of late, because of the sensational well because they have to get the media the, the version of click-throughs you can see the, all this stuff online all the time like yeah. what do they do yeah, so you can often, google recipes well yeah, often they create a lot of what i would call fiction i don't know if i can <laughs> legally say that but they seem to make a lot of things up so did you feel like you were well well represented oh. by woman's day how did what, what was the what was the story i was so well represented and I'm really happy. And maybe this is rare, but I was ecstatic to appear in Woman's Day. It's, it's not something you hear people say a lot of these days. I was interviewed for it, and I'm going to show it to I you mean, right now. I mean, that's not something you hear people no. say a lot of <laughs> no. these days. They actually use quotes that I actually said. Yeah. Yeah, this all happened. Um, yeah. I'm I, show I can see you. why you don't have the same problems as some other people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a bit more to the story, but I'll show it to <laughs> yeah, you right sure. now. This is on my Instagram account, Sam right. Mac Insta, if you want to see this. But the great thing about it, uh, and the thing that I took from it, and the reason that I shared it on my Instagram, is not only did I... I appear in Woman's Day, Will, but I appeared in Woman's Day, and this is my debut in Woman's Day, as a two-page spread. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have a close All look right, at that. Here we go. All right, here we go. Uh, five minutes with First Date's host, Sam McMillan. Now, the thing about that is, it's five minutes if you're a really slow reader. You should be through that in 45 seconds, Max. How much time did they spend with you to make this article, though? 20 minutes on so the phone. So, it's not five minutes for anyone. Maybe they've evened it out. It took 20 <laughs> minutes to do, and it takes about three minutes to read. So, we're going to say five minutes. Um, all right. So, let, let's see if I... Because you can't... Uh, you can't zoom, zoom in, in on, Insta. on Instagram. Uh, the Sunrise Weatherman and Voice of First Date spills... Mm. Oh, how we go. Saucy. Spilling. <laughs> spills on Sam Koshy. And his two pet cats. All right, here we go. I mean, that is great clickbait right there. Uh, tell us something we don't know. Now, presumptuous. <laughs> I don't know. Is it the ethical rules of journalism, woman's though? <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> tell us something we don't know. Whether Will and Kate are having another baby, probably. <laughs> but you're writing about it regardless. Um, okay, so uh, tell us something uh, we don't know. I do live, I do, oh. Hang I, on, whoa, whoa. No, I do live, that's what I thought it said. It's a bit small for me, Sam. I'm <laughs> yeah, trying right. my best okay. to read it. Uh, I do a live Facebook show each week, Wine Not Wednesday. <laughs> Sweet plug. Literally <laughs> first. Here's what I've learned about Sam Mack so far. <laughs> Loves a fucking plug. Why do you think I'm so ecstatic <laughs> with my appearance in Woman's Day? I got to plug my stupid little internet show. I mean, this is great. Um, have you seen a spike in traffic since the Woman's Day reference? Exactly the same numbers yeah. as the previous yeah. episode. Okay. <laughs> but I do now introduce Why Not Wednesday as, as featured in Woman's Day. So that's uh, something that I can continue forever. I chat from wherever I am for 20 minutes, answer questions, play music... Or interview someone. So talk us through. I have not, uh, as of yet, I mean, obviously, it's queued up in my must-see list. <laughs> Why not Wednesday? But uh, obviously, you know, obviously I was doing Gruen, which is also on Wednesday. So, you know, it was hard. And The Bachelorette was Well, I support well. you with your endeavours, so. No, I appreciate it, mate. Well, I love wine. Wednesday's fine, so I feel and like. you've got an internet connection. Right. Bang, you're ready to go. i got to be honest with you. I like you as well, so. <laughs> But you probably bumped into me earlier that day anyway, so you don't yeah. need to get the update. And I, it was Wednesday and I had been drinking wine. <laughs> Spotted. Drinking wine on a Wednesday. At Office Works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get to that, have a look at the two-page spread. Okay. You've missed – there's a little circle oh, yeah. there and 
So explain why it's a two-page spread. Then. Okay, hang on. The little circle down the bottom tells us <laughs> yeah, why. Yeah. First dates. Oh no! It doesn't oh, actually. No. Hang on. Oh, the, uh, you, the circle with the. Okay, here we go. Oh, you, literally! Oh my god! <laughs> that was the whole point I of mean, me posting. I thought you would have seen that when I no, had no, your no, phone. No, no, no! I didn't. Well, you know what? I'm not up to date with how the young people, because what Sam has done here is he's drawn on the thing, like an arrow and a red circle. But I am so fascinated by the actual thing that I have missed the fact that on the fold of the page, there is, I am going to say, maybe some of your elbow. Maybe. Definitely. No. I checked. I'm I'm not even sure there is. There is. There there is hint of elbow at best. That's enough. But I mean... Some of my shirts. So basically, right on... This was the... Essentially, it's the amount of elbow that you were allowed to see in the 1940s. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very salacious (laughs) shot. This was like the middle page of Playboy in 1940. (laughs) So we know when they print, sometimes a a little bit of the story from one page leaks onto the other page. And the corner of my elbow is on page 80. And the actual article's on 81. So that's why I put it up, circled it, and said, on a technicality... I am officially part of a two-page spread in Woman's Day. I mean, I like it. I like the two-page spread. I've now dis- discovered that if I put my fingers apart, it does get bigger for a s- small moment. <laughs> We're oh, still sorry. talking, We're about, talking Instagram. about Instagram. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I've got back on Instagram. Somebody <laughs> mentioned the other day, like, because I go, like, I've pr- probably... You I go think- MIA, yeah. You'll post seven things in a day, yeah. like Miley and Cyrus, yeah. and then nothing for, for three months. months. Yeah. Like, so I'm trying to get back into it because I'm about to go to a bunch of interesting places and I thought, oh, it's good. I'll take photos cool. and I'll do Instagram. But I forget that I have it. Like, so anyway, uh, so I don't really know how to use it, but I've discovered the finger thing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I can now find out more information. What do you do when you're not filming? I'd like to know. I write and play my guitar and my keyboard. Yeah. Loneliest one man band of all time. Like, <laughs> well, I am the host of something called First Date. <laughs> yeah, things to, not to say on a first date. Um, I am passionate about animals, uh, so I love watching docos about them. Mm. I'm also an ambassador for Sydney Dogs and Cats Home. That's nice. What's your relationship like with Sam Armitage? Ooh. All right, here we go. Yeah. Fishing around Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, there was a little bit day. of fishing in the chat. Oh, totally. So I said 20-minute chat, yeah. 15 minutes that. Yeah, bit, yeah, 15 minutes of because this is your woman's day sweet spot. Yeah. Like they're real. Oh, yeah. To be honest, they're fine to have you there. They'll give you a page and a little hit of elbow. <laughs> it's a two-page spread. But the tr- truth of it is that you're there because they hoped you might say something about Sam Armitage. 100%. Right. <laughs> in fact, I think, I'd go as far as to say when they, they agree, they go, yeah, we'd love to chat to Sam from yeah. Sunrise. Right. When I picked up the phone, they were like, where's Sam? I think they, they had the wrong, the, whole, the wrong Sam the whole time. And I think I've hosted many gigs when they thought they'd book Sam from Sunrise. <laughs> My whole career is a lie. I think Sam from Sunrise spotted it beyond India and Adelaide. It was the other <laughs> Sam from Sunrise. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, it's so bad when people want uh, the, the uh, cash cow and get the cosh cow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had to go back for that one. Um, uh, with Sam. Okay. Um, I love working with Sam. Uh, we're mates and there's great chemistry between us. See, now, are you talking about, just to clarify, Sam Armitage 
or yourself. <laughs> the other guy from your band. The guy who plays keyboards in your lonely band. You've got band. a writer, yeah. a keyboard player and a guitarist. Right. Um, well, here's the thing. I didn't actually say those quotes. So they started, Whoa. it was a loaded question. Yeah, Whoa. I know. In Woman's Day, and I'm a little Whoa. bit broken. And if there wasn't yeah. a two-page spread, I would have been very, very Whoa. disappointed. Whoa. They started the question on the phone, and this uh-huh. wasn't printed, by saying, hey, so Sam, you've got great chemistry with Sam. It's Armitage. There's a right. really fantastic relationship there. Um, you know, is there anything more? Like that was their actual question. So then my response was, oh, look, you know, we get along well on the air. We're mates. There's no more to it. You know, it's great. But they were absolutely going down that path. That's their job, isn't it? So, Sam, <laughs> is there more? Absolutely. We've feels- been. Toe Fop gets a big bombshell. <laughs> no, she's great. Love uh, working right. with her. Uh, Sam, yeah, uh, I can quash any rumours and confirm we're strictly mates. Nice. Yeah, didn't actually say that, but, Did, no, but the sentiment is correct. Sure. Uh, what's your most prized possession? I have two rescue cats called Coco and Catra, Catra. Yeah. Uh, who I adore, and they feature heavily on my Instagram account. <laughs> you must have been devastated that they didn't put it in Sam McInster. because <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you said it. And I they actually have, did. Yeah, you would have I said did. it, and they have not included it, so... I say it so much that people yeah. now think my surname is McKinster. <laughs> Seriously, it's McMillan. Uh, what do people always ask you? What's the weather today, Sam? Surely they ask that a lot of that. Right? Yeah. Uh, why aren't you married? Would you ever go out with this person? Uh, they ask about. Are you just talking about this interview? <laughs> It does seem like that, doesn't it? What do people always ask you? Um, they ask me, tell us something about myself I don't know. Yeah. Whether What's I'm your relationship like with Sam, Sam Armitage? Armitage. <laughs> What's your most prized possession? And they often ask me, what do people always ask you? That's a weird one. So, uh, they ask about Sam and Koshy and where I'm travelling to uh, next. I didn't think you were going to read the whole piece out because now it is five minutes with Sam. I don't know if it even has been. Even with all these interruptions, I still don't feel like it's been a full five minutes. I really just wanted to show you the two-page spread. Uh, they ask about Sam and Koshi, where I'm travelling to next. This is my favourite bit, and now I want to know if this was a direct quote or not. They ask all sorts of questions. <laughs> I don't know. Sam, it do you believe like that something you I'd say... say they ask all sorts of no, questions. No, that's not something I'd say. I think they just wanted to wind up. I think they'd hit their word limit at right. that point. They're like, we better wind this up because <laughs> yeah. no one's interested in that Sam from Sunrise. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I wanted to tell you was, so that's one piece okay. of uh, yeah. update. The other one is uh, Instagram update. Sam yeah. Insta, as mentioned previously. Uh-huh. I had an epic day of new followers. Oh. And I'm talking high profile new followers. All right. Now, I still get excited, like, you know, when I meet a celebrity who I've seen on TV and they might have, you know, seen me do something. Like, that's still a big moment for me, yeah. regardless of their level of celebrity. No, like, no, it's, exciting. it's exciting. Right. So, on one day, the first one probably won't mean that but much. But also, for people within the comedy community and stuff like that, we are, have been familiar with you and your work for a while. But to the outside world, going suddenly becoming like the, you're the a weatherman. Global on phenomenon, this yeah. Pro- a global phenomenon. I was going to say it, but I can't say phenomenon. <laughs> that was the only thing that stopped me from saying it was that I can't actually say it. So... <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you try? Come on. This is about personal development, this podcast, isn't Global it? Global phenomenon. You can say it. Yeah, I, but even if I said it like that, that would have been weird. Because we all know you're a global... That would have been the pace they read five minutes yeah. with Sam. To get <laughs> Global through that article. phenomenon. 
phenomenon. So, yeah, I'll I'll talk about this, and then I want to find out your uh, big social media moment okay, sure. in terms of like a big follow or a message from someone, and like sure. it, it's it's pretty exciting. So. On this one day, I had three very high-profile new followers. First one probably won't mean that much to you, but meant a lot to me. Tommy Urich, Socceroo, like great Socceroo, like really one of the up-and-comers, um, set up the goal that basically won us the Asian Cup, um, playing overseas, top level, very exciting that he followed me. So I was like, great, Tommy Urich. An hour and a half later, and this one caught me by surprise, Julie Bishop. Julie Bishop, do we need a context for um for overseas? She's our she well she was what Hillary Clinton did in America. She was like she's our foreign minister, which is the equivalent of being Secretary of State. Big right? deal, yeah, yeah. big deal. So Julie Bishop follows me, and I thought, oh my goodness, that is that is an Instagram peak. Like regardless of your politics, like these are high profile followers. Like right. what's happened? Something's happened. Something yeah. in the waters. Some sweet cut through. <laughs> yeah, it gets better. Later that night, when I think, well, that what a this day. This is all same day. What a day. Yeah, in one day. What a day. Tommy Urich, Julie Bishop, pops up. You have a new follower. Anthony Blue Wiggle. <laughs> all in the one day. Really? Unbelievable. And I'd met him. Lovely guy. Had a good chat. We did a cross a few weeks earlier, but he didn't want to rush his follow. He thought, I'll wait. I'll let Sam stew over it for a few weeks. But then... What about that for a magical day of followers? I mean, that's a good bunch too. That feels like you're casting I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> it does. You know, like, <laughs> if you announce those three names, one's a high-profile international <laughs> yeah. sports person, yeah. but how will he fear? <laughs> but will he kick goals in the jungle? <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. And how will Anthony feel when he needs to not wake up Jeff, <laughs> but wake up the foreign minister? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that was pretty special. I mean, that's pretty great. I have, I mean, on, on our uh, football podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, AFL podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's contagious. <laughs> um, uh, one day we were trying to message people to find out about socks. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we had stumbled upon something that intrigued us, which was how much of the players' apparel that they were responsible for. Like uh-huh. how much they had to bring to the games. Like, As you in know, like the, their game socks, how many pairs do they get at the right. start of the season? Or exactly. Can or they get them whenever they want? Yep. Can you just get to the club and just pick Great up question. a pair of so- socks? Like, you know, they what, never cover that on AFL 360. Do you have your own shorts? Yeah. Like, or do you just provide the shorts? Are you always wearing the same shorts? Or if you're the same size as someone else, might you get their shorts the next week? And it Excellent. turns out... The weird thing is the more you unpick this one, the more that you realize there is no sort of standard thing. <laughs> really? From club to club, oh, there's a lot okay. of deviation in this. Really? Yeah, there's a lot of... Tra- and, and umpires have weighed in it as well. Anyway, one night, drunkenly sitting here in this very seat, I decided I would start just Googling AFL players to see who followed me on Twitter yeah. so that I could direct message them and ask them about their <laughs> socks. So, <laughs> so I must admit there was a few times where I was quite excited. Uh, the, the premiership captain of the, the Western Bulldogs, Eastern Wood, uh, follows me right. on Twitter. Well, I'd expect exciting. that. I mean, you are very heavily involved with the club. Uh, Paddy, Paddy Dangerfield, who won the Brownlow Brown medal this year, he That's follows big. me on Twitter. Congratulations. Uh, but the two big Does ones... Does the blue wiggle... No, go on. <laughs> well, I don't know. But the two big ones, here's what I will say. The two big ones for me, and they're so big that I have ne- I'd never check back to see if they have unfollowed. Because you don't want the heartbreaking moment. I don't want to know. That's like me with Blue Wiggle. It's my Schrodinger's uh, unfollow experiment. <laughs> I don't want to... Like, until I look 
yeah. they're still following me. Yeah. And they are two of uh, my comedy heroes who wow. follow me on Twitter. And there are a bunch of comedians I really admire. So there are, like, I mean, you know, when, you know, like Jermaine Clement sent me a message one day, you know, from Flight of the Concord. Yeah. It's like, I was like, ah, oh, it's nice that Jermaine, like, you know, That's still cool. kind of like, yeah, keeps contact or those sort of people, you know, some people I've known from around, but two that I only knew once they were superstars and one that I don't actually really know at all. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, the comedian oh, really? Jim Gaffigan, yeah. certainly for a long time followed me on Twitter. I'm not going to check, but he may still follow <laughs> you me You know the people are going to check now yeah. as a result of you mentioning it. And, uh, don't tell him, don't tell him. And Patton Oswalt. Oh, really? Yeah, so they're my two. Fantastic. I mean, I have a connection to Patton, but it's still yeah. it's still one of those things where whenever I'm plugging my Australian dates too heavily, <laughs> I'm like, I hope Patton's not seeing this. <laughs> I hope Patton has me on mute. Because that's what I would say to those guys. If you're listening, and I know you're not, but, but isn't the timing like, different? Just put me on mute. Yeah, yeah. Just but- put me on mute. You don't have to actually. Just let me when I go to your page to read something. <laughs> see that you still follow me. You don't actually have to be seeing any of the shit that I post. I am fine with that. Well, congratulations. They're yep. big followers. Yeah, yeah. It is. It but is. But I must say that I'm thing. not. I'm not. I'm a person who only ever discovers it when I go to see their. I'm not a person who follows. My follows or who? I don't, I don't, oh well, don't you get a notification though? Like if you check your. I mean, if you set your phone up right, I imagine. <laughs> I notice you've updated yours. I haven't done that. Yeah, right. Because I know how mine works at yeah. the moment. Not really. I just want to point out that Julie. Bishop- remember earlier in this when I worked yeah. out that you could actually make Instagram bigger if <laughs> yes, you just use your fingers. That. That, that's a little insight into where I'm at in this game. And I want to point out that Julie Bishop and Anthony Wiggle are not my heroes. Like, you know, you were saying your heroes follow you. Like, you know, good luck to them. They seem lovely. Right. But yeah, they're just, it was just high profile followers. Mate, that's a good collection though. I mean, I would like to know if there was some way where you were just like, yeah, I would like to like put together. If you had to put to, like, pick your team. Like you had to put together your celebrity tribe. Like if that, if that was like an app you could do. So you play off against your mates of like, what, what's your celebrity team for like this? Mm. That's quite good. Like, mm. I don't mind that. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what else? We, we should finish up at, at like soon-ish. Because yeah. uh, uh, I have to go to the osteo. Yeah. But um, uh, but yes. So what else has been going on in your world? Well, how's Sunrise been? Where's the... Like, I mean, I'm always fascinated by where you've been to or what. So what's been like kind of... You know, highlight or like fun, like, you know, weird thing yeah. that's been happening. Oh, so much has been happening. So for those overseas, my role is is weatherman, but it's like weatherman. Like you, you're not really just doing weather. Weather is a big part of it. But, uh, you know. How even- much of a part of it is weather and how much a part of it is the ability to be able to read names of places <laughs> and numbers? Uh, look, in terms of. Like in terms of your day to day, how much of it is actually spent knowing what the weather is? Or are, is your role pretty much. Like somebody tells you what the weather is, and then you create like you know a comedy segment. <laughs> it sort of depends. Like if there's a big weather event, uh-huh. you know, like if there's oh, yeah. floods yeah. or if there's you know really strong winds doing damage in a particular area, and we go there, then your whole morning can be weather. But that Are doesn't you, happen every week. Were you previously in- interested in weather? Um, were you a person who would have conversations about the weather? Everyone has conversations about the weather. I mean, I know it is that kind of standard go-to. We're talking yeah. about the weather. And of course you do. Yeah. I mean, it's a, would but, I get into in-depth discussions of hectopascals? Uh, no. Like it's not It's not. If like a, a cyclone was coming or something, would you be the sort of person who's like, yeah, I'm going to get to the TV or the internet and like check out this cyclone and read about it and or no, whatever? No, but I'd watch the coverage and I'd want to learn about it. Like yeah. I think weather's something that affects everyone. So like I definitely have an interest in it, but, but not enough to... It's not an obsession, but they we also have actual full-on meteorologists at, yeah. at 
you know, at TV stations, but that's not this role. Like this role is, you know, you update people on the weather, you might go into a little bit of detail, but a lot of it is entertainment. Do you reckon they should have like a meteorology like school where it's like half people learning like, you know, I mean, because maybe... Well, would it just be called, you know, a TV meteorology degree? So oh, yeah. not a meteorology degree, a yeah. TV. So yeah. day one, bungee jumping. But I like to, yeah. But I like to think they're both at the same school. <laughs> All right, like, they're like classically. So what, if you fail snobby, one, if you... no, no, no. I like to feel like there's a real like like they brought in the the TV weathermen. So they brought in bungee jumping and like riding a camel and like you know like all these classes about how to talk to a complete stranger. You know about somebody, how to get in like, I spy. Yeah, how to listen. Yeah, how to how to listen to somebody talking in your ear while you're trying to read out names and numbers. How to quash rumours about you and Sam Armitage. <laughs> Where to place your elbow for a photo shoot, you know. The all, old extended elbow. Yeah, all the big ones, right. <laughs> so, I mean, preparing you kind of for that world. And then I like to think they've brought in those ones because that's where the money is. You know what I mean? Like that, that the, old, the meteorology isn't as sexy as it used to be, but they've identified <laughs> that where people are interested in is your kind of, your role of your TV weather person, right? Yeah. And so then they're like, well, but then on campus, they're the ones who didn't necessarily get the good grades or the meteorologists have had to like really like study hard. But there's some who are trying to kind of bring the two together. That's yeah. what I like to think. Well, I, I want to, you know, head in that direction. I want to yep. learn more about, and I am already learning more about it as I go along. But in the answer to your question, um, places like Kakadu, I absolutely love. We've been lucky to go to some amazing spots with the role. Uh, Victorian high country where they shot the man from Snowy River. Um, places like that have been, you know really highlights of my life like just to see these places oh by the way you mean they shot the movie The Man from Snow <laughs> yeah, River right yeah, no. yeah I'm not that morbid like, oh take like, me wow. to more like, shooting sites there was a bit at the end they didn't show you where they shot him <laughs> <laughs> after he rode the horse down the mountain they actually shot him it's weird um, the small towns are great like I love that side of it you would have seen a bit of it with touring over the years like you know stopping off in small towns and, yeah I and- mean I, I always thought of all the people that I knew that I was probably the one who had seen most of Australia but I have a couple of big black spots in my Australia. I've seen everywhere in Australia, but apart from three places, I really? believe. Well, like almost everywhere in Australia, apart from three mm. places. And they are the Great Barrier Reef, which is yep. actually a big famous place to have not seen. Yep. Kakadu, which again is a big famous place. Like, you know, and I've, well, Ka- I'm going to include Kakadu and Uluru, yep, even though sure. they are. Uluru I haven't seen, but Kakadu I've yep. been to. But uh, which two people was the white person's name for that was Ayers Rock, yep. but the traditional name and the you know the traditional owner's name is Uluru. Yeah, and the other one is Broome. I've never been to Broome. Really? See, yeah. I've been to all three of those. Yeah, but That's other really than that, I've kind of been to a bunch. I think I've been to most places. And it's great. Like, I mean, that's the thing that you realize as an Australian is, I don't know how traveled you were before this role, but is that there is a lot of this country that isn't, yeah, the five cities that people live in. Like, there is so much of it and so many interesting stories and so much of, so so beautiful and so different. Like, I mean, that's the thing you would notice the most, I imagine, is like, in, in this one country you are it is so different like there is totally. not one australia within the space of a week we were in Broome, where it's you know basically like the desert there's nothingness but it's also quite beautiful as you get towards the coast and then uh a week later we're in um in the snow in melbourne so oh, just out of melbourne two hours out of melbourne so it's it's one of those jobs that i'm very lucky to have you know to get to see all these places and get paid to do it and it's it's a random job like you just you meet so many do strange you have, characters. sorry just yeah. before we go on a favorite weather as that's in a type question. of that's weather, a like question. current temp- yeah. like temperature? That's a question now like that I would have liked Woman's Day to ask you, <laughs> to be honest. I feel like they wasted a question or two. Here's what I want to know from the weather guy. 
what's your favorite weather? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you do you have a weather that you're like, oh yeah, this is like perfect. This is my zone. Weather. Yeah, I'd say I'd say 22 degrees. Yeah, 22 degrees is perfect for me because it's not too hot, Still, not too cold. Windy. How do you feel about wind? Not much wind. No, don't like the wind. You um, rarely meet like I mean, I guess sailors and kite flyers and yeah, yeah wind related industries. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah. but but other than that, like you don't often. What other wind related <laughs> industries are there? I don't know. Wind power. Yeah. Um, yeah. Flags. Flags. Yeah. Upskirters. Um, upskirters. <laughs> <laughs> you know the big five. <laughs> but yeah, wind. I think is like I live in a windy place, and I resent wind. I don't like wind. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm always, I'm always cleaning shit out of my pool. First world problems. <laughs> He's so relatable. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you quickly, but I know we're wrapping up. No, no. no. Well, we're we're, we're wrapping up ish. Giant dwarf. You did shows. Um, yeah. You did like like non planned shows, just ad lib type stuff. How did yeah. that go? So I did a, a week. So I did Tuesday through Sunday last week. Um, every night. I, I had only previously done them. I did them at the Sydney Comedy Store two years previously. And I did a week, but that was like seven o'clock to eight o'clock in a comedy club. Mostly doing crowd work, but the truth of it is, the first night was pretty much fully improvised. But then, yep. what what I didn't know because I'm all doing all this for the first time, I don't necessarily know what the challenges or the difficulties or the things that I will enjoy about it are. It's it, you're pretty much on a bit of a you know we'll just suck it and see. Let's just see what happens and learn from it. Yeah, like you know it's baby steps. So I did it five times two years ago, and then it's one of those things where I was talking about this the other day is like how often comfort stops creativity you know like when somebody becomes comfortable or rich or successful they don't seem to be as creative as they once were yeah absolutely and this is a classic example of that in that these shows would not have happened except that for a bunch of reasons that i don't need to go into on the podcast i'm having some some financial problems now by the way the sort of financial problems that i'm i am having uh how will i pay for my fucking mortgage to my beautiful house by Sydney Harbour, you know, in February. Like, yeah. it's not like, you know, I can't afford to eat or anything like totally. that. But but it meant that I had to find some ways to raise some extra revenue and, and whatever. And I'm about to go back overseas where I'm, I don't earn as much money because I'm like, you know, on a much lower rung over sure. there. So I needed to have some extra money and whatever. So the shows really wouldn't have existed other than I really needed to kind of do something and earn a bit extra money. So then I kind of decide, well, what will I do? Now that I have to do this thing, let's do something that is like, you know, that is a bit challenging in its own way. Yeah. So I was like, Let, I'll do a week. And what I'll challenge myself to do is for every single show to be completely different. So you Great. can come. And some people did come to more than one. Really? Which, yeah, surprised me. But, <laughs> but the truth of it is that I think that if I liked me, like, as in, like, you know, if I were a fan of me, I'm so next week in LA, I, I get in on the Wednesday, and the first thing that I'm doing that night is if the country isn't on fire because Donald Trump is president, yeah. I'm going to see Dylan Moran at Largo. And I also have a ticket to see Dylan Mor- Moran at Largo on the Friday night. Right. Because I love Dylan Moran. Yeah. And he's cool. playing at a club around the corner from my house. So I can kind of, and he's probably going to do the same show. Yeah. And I'll go twice. If he was doing a different show, is that every why you have financial for... problems? You're buying multiple <laughs> tickets to too many shows. I mean, well, and the other just thing in case is, you want to go on a different night. And the other thing is, it's like fifteen dollars to go and see. Oh like, right. I mean, come on. Um, I charge more than that. I have some financial problems. <laughs> Thanks for coming, everyone. Though. Um, 
but uh, no, my idea was that I was like, well, hopefully what I might try to do is create something that could just exist in that night. Mm. But I think it would have been interesting to see it on different nights because what I learned about it, well, I learned a, lot, a bunch of things. The first one was that to do it properly, it's an incredibly exhausting experience. Like it's exhausting in a way that normal stand-up isn't. Because normal stand-up, you're kind of trying to recreate a moment. Yeah. Like really, that's yep. what it is. Yep. You're trying Make to re- it seem like the first yep. time you've ever right. discovered that But you're that trying joke. to get everybody else who has this disparate amount of like influences and blah, blah, blah to get on the same page so we can enjoy a recreated mm. moment. Whereas these things are a completely different beast because you're all doing it at the same time. Yeah. So you can get four or five laughs. If you're in the moment properly, if something happens, even by the way you turn your head or react to the moment Luke or beverage. the first word you say, yeah. those sort of things, because the whole audience just saw what happened and now you're reacting to that sure. moment, you know. But what there's that a different me- energy, like as even as someone going to watch, there's a different energy when you can feel that this is the first time that this has happened, right? And you can, I, as someone who watches, consumes a lot of comedy, is kind of in the industry or whatever. You know, I know pretty quickly. And I think the audience knows pretty quickly when it's something exclusive to the night that they're at. Right. And these things are all about that. And they're different energy every night. That was one of the things that amazed me. Like was that, you know, how I was feeling, but how the audience was feeling would really affect yeah, like, what the tone of the show was. Yeah, because there's different energies for different nights of the week. But because you don't have this base thing to go to that creates its own energy, mm. you are so much more guided by, I guess, like surfing or whatever. Like if the ocean's really choppy, no matter how your surfing skills are, you're still going to just have to surf like the waves that are there and yeah. stuff like that. So that's that was very interesting to me. The exhausting thing, like it would take me all day to recover to do the show the next night. But the really most interesting thing of all this, I cannot remember anything that happened. Is that right? Nothing. And do you record them? I recorded them all. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have copies of them all. But I will be mostly listening to them completely fresh because I have wow. little or no memory. Like some people will hit me up about like certain moments or yeah. you know, things that happened in the show and I am like have literally cannot remember them happening. Or they go, I love when you talked about your grandmother, blah, blah. I was like, I <laughs> really? Like wow. I can't imagine that I would have talked about I guess about doing that, them back to back to back to back would have been a part of that as well. Like it's well, a lot firstly, of information floating firstly, around and when, new information. When I got off stage, because you're always kind of th- trying to think of the next thing. So you don't have time enough for your brain to kind of lock in what it was. You're, Digest you're, you're just it, yeah. going forward. You know, you're constantly moving forward. But I intentionally didn't listen back to, say, Tuesday yeah. night before Wednesday you didn't want because it to I didn't want to get in. stuff into my head. Yep, got it. And so there was definitely a bit of a sense of like a race at all. And because that's what had happened last time on the first night I did, it was all fresh. But then on the second night, it, when it gets that bit where it lulls a little, your brain goes, Oh, why don't you talk about that funny thing from last night and see yeah. if you can have another go at that. Whereas on these nights you're like, no, 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 I'm going to like, well, that means if it's a bit tough here or if I'm, blah, blah, I'm just going to dig it around, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to create some different energy. I'm going to see what, if I can get this done, which was amazing. But what I wanted to ask was, as a stand-up comedian, how long in those situations, which is not your standard gig, because your, your standard gig, you obviously know the gist of what you're going to do and there's bits right. and pieces that are, that are new, but how long in that situation is too long without getting a laugh? I mean, who fucking knows? I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's all instinct in these things. Probably just depends on why you're not getting a laugh. That's mm. the truth. It's not about how long. Like, I mean, mm. I guess if you're really going to think about it in a th- like in a kind of theoretical sense, there's a real difference between how long it's been because that would be like a TV, TV executive. You'd be called into an office and they're like, we've got this new computer program yeah, and it yeah. works out yeah. how long there is between a laugh. 
But there's a difference between me like throwing four or five jokes at you that don't work. That the reason you're not laughing is that I'm attempting to be funny and you're not laughing. And there's a difference between that in a situation where I am not attempting to be funny. I may be build, telling a yeah. thing that is building. So you tell a really long story sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Or just start talking about something that might be a little. I mean, you know, my cat died, as you know, and yeah, like it, it came up a couple of times in different ways. Never as a like I'm going to tell you all about my cat, and but you would find that just because that was top of mind and it happened like the week or whatever beforehand, you get to some moment or whatever. So then you just kind of and then you and then just, does that light and shade, I guess, make when the comedy does come after more of a release as well? Then if it's be interesting like to real. hear it back. Like I mean, I will probably have different feelings about it than what the audience have as well because I probably would be more judgy of that. Whereas yeah. it, I mean, often what you find about comedy is like. Billy Connolly, I think, is a great example. And it's not something I've ever been particularly comfortable with. I love that idea of just like, it's you know, it can all be funny. I can tell you a great story, but hopefully it can all be funny as well. But And sometimes these shows are actually really good at that. Sometimes you'll get like 10 jokes away in like 45 seconds because you're so in that moment yeah. that you can like, you get a laugh on your head turn, you get a laugh on your eyebrow raise, you get a laugh on your first word, you get a laugh on the actual sentence that, you know, joke that you actually yeah. have created. And then because you've already got those kind of three or four free laughs, then you kind of lean over because you're in the moment and then that gets a laugh because everyone's there. Whereas if I went back the next night and tried to tell that joke and then lean over at that moment, <laughs> you're not going to get that same. Yeah. So you get some kind of free laughs as well. Not free, they're earned, but they're earned in a different way. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, if I'm like just, Billy Connolly was the one, because I, I think Billy Connolly is the funniest comedian in the world. Yeah. But having watched him the last couple of times he toured, the thing that I was really aware of is he'll often go two, three minutes without really getting a laugh. Often his stuff is structured very much in a way of I'm going to give you all the setup and context you need. So once I start paying this off, it's, like it's going to just pay off in so many great sure. ways because you've painted, you've taken the time. Like you haven't almost diluted it by doing a joke because I think you can do that. Yeah. Like you can put in a cheap line or a thing that distracts a little or whatever for the sake of having a, oh, I've gone 30 seconds, I haven't had a laugh, I'll do a little cheap joke here. But really the audience don't need the cheap joke. Actually what they need is their attention to be held at that thing that yeah. you're talking about. And that little thing actually diverts their attention. I'd rather keep them for the extra 10, 15 seconds in that moment and then pay it off hopefully heavy yeah. than like have to kind of just go, here's a series of little jokes. Hopefully there's somewhere in between of that that kind of works as, but he definitely has that structure of just like, for a while you're just like, oh, he's telling a story and I don't really, and then you're just like, oh, the floodgates have opened <laughs> and now, now all of that stuff that you painted made sense. I needed to know what that woman looked like and sounded like yeah. and, you know, what her attitude was. All that stuff you were doing that if you gone- It's for a reason. It's for a reason. Yeah but you've saved the payoff for the reason. You could have, if you're trying to paint a grumpy woman because you've got this great... Okay, so let's just imagine this is the scenario, yeah. right? You, th this woman said this great grumpy line. That's what you really want to say, right? Yeah. And that's what it's going to pay off. You could be tempted, I reckon, to early on when you're talking about how grumpy mm. is, come up with another line that's not as good as the tagline, but mm -hmm. almost have two goes at it. Mm-hmm. But an argument can be made often in storytelling that by doing that first one, you dilute the second sure. one. Yeah. It's just better to keep the one really good one than like, you know, like, and so I think sometimes in these shows, there's a bit more of that because you know, you're, that you're maybe you're working towards something or whatever and you'll take the journey how it needs to be. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Bill Burr, um, 
had a great comment. Uh, I was backstage one night and he was actually talking to someone else, but we were in the same kind of conversation. Mm. And I was just listening, to be honest. But he was talking about the idea that if, you know, something funny happens to you and you want to tell your friends, you don't sit in your car for 10 minutes beforehand and go, well, I'll do this bit first. And I'll say that. <laughs> like, you know, you trust that you'll get, you know what the funny bit is. Yeah. And if they like your description of the old lady, you might lean into that a little bit more. And if they're getting a bit bored by, you know, some detail of yeah. it, you... you you, you fast track it. Fast the, track it. Yeah. And so that's what these shows are a bit more Yeah, like. cool. You know, you judge it often from them. If you feel like they're getting a bit bored by that bit of, you kind of move on to something, yeah, to the next kind of more compelling bit. Yeah. So, Great. Yeah. All right. Love we it. should finish. It's good to have you here, Sam. Mack. Thank let's, you, mate. Let's do the plugs. Let's make sure we get all the plugs out. So, so uh, uh, Insta, Woman's Day. <laughs> yeah, Woman's Day, two-page spread. Yeah, two-page spread. Ages 80 and 81, uh, Woman's Day. Oh, uh, prime spots. That's um, their sweet prime spots. Fo- yeah. Followed by Julie Bishop. Uh, Anthony Do you Blue feel Wiggle. like if it had been Sam Armitage from Sunrise, it also would have been page 80 yeah, and, and they wouldn't have asked her about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be the real test. If they'd had Sam Armitage and gone, we've noticed there's a real spark between anything more going um, on. I guess, yeah. I oh, look, Twitter, Mr. Sam Mac. Yep. Uh, Instagram, Sam Mac Insta. Facebook, I've, I've put a lot more effort into my Facebook page of late. So, I um, do the live show, which we talked about before, Why Not Wednesday. Why, Got not a few Wednesday. good plugs. That's why I was here today. Um, <laughs> Um, it's deciphering your audience. Sunrise, Sunrise yeah. has got in as well. Sunrise, oh yeah, forgot about that. My uh, actual employer. I mean, this is like being like a first date, you might say. Don't you think? <laughs> first dates, anyway, which is on dates is Channel Seven on Wednesday nights. Yeah, now there's plenty going on. It's very busy. I mean, you but, are uh, very busy. I'm enjoying it though. Why it's do you great. still have a free wine show on Wednesdays when you've got all <laughs> well, this? Like, it's funny you say free wine show. They send people now send me wine oh, so that I can mention right, it in go. the show. Okay, well, I have a major alcohol problem as a result of this internet show. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? What have you got coming up? Uh, I actually have a whole bunch of plugs that I just put up on my Facebook page and website. Uh, But basically, I'm going to give you a little quick uh, insight. I'm uh, about to tour in America. So next week, Next weekend, I will be at Helium in Portland, which is one of the best comedy clubs in the US, and I'm very excited to be there. Two shows only, uh, Saturday night, Sunday night. Margaret Cho is doing the later shows, but I'm doing the earlier shows, so maybe come down and see both shows. That might be a fun Mm. night, but uh, come and see that. Uh, I'm going to Cleveland. Uh, I am on the Dollop Tour. I'm guesting with those guys on that tour. I'm going to Alaska. I'm going to Madison. I'm going to Denver. I'm going to Bermuda. Yeah, Um, I heard. And uh, Critically Will, my new show is on sale at the moment in Adelaide and is about to go on sale in a whole bunch of other places. All what right. about TV stuff? Can't say. Oh, possible new project? Plus, I need to go to the toilet. So, <laughs> the podcast is finishing. Thank you very much for Thanks, being here, mate. mate.